White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 688. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Andy, we are back. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful van how are you doing i can hear you like you're sitting right next door to me oh it's amazing it's amazing this is the white rocket babylon 5 review podcast i am your host van allen plexico i'm joined as always by my co-host andy fix and we have a technological revelation it's like we've gone to data crystals and the jump gate or something (laughs) andy you have switched out computers and it's it's like a whole new world it's a whole new world it it is. It's it's pretty amazing. My my old laptop is from 2015, and it has the memory capacity of a goldfish. <laughs> so we uh, we decided to swap out to my wife's highfalutin new computer for this episode. And by golly, if that didn't solve all of our technological problems, and it it only took us a year and a half to figure this out. So I'm impressed. <laughs> Yes, that's you got some smart people you're dealing with here, folks. The two of us. It took us a year and a half to figure because we've always just assumed it was a, it was the internet connection. You know why wouldn't it be right. you know, internet right. problems? And Andy plugs his wife's computer in and boots up, and it's just like we're in the same room. <laughs> no lag, no delay, no freezing. Right. Everything sounds right. great. It's amazing. But this is good for us. It's also good for you, the listeners, because Andy and I were just chortling away here as we were getting ready to get started. That This means we're going to be able to do uh, the occasional video show for YouTube, for the White Rocket uh, YouTube channel. We haven't really been able to do that because there were so many issues with the camera and the video and the, the lag and everything. But we can even do like live commentary shows where we can have the show playing on one screen and be... Uh, in a box, you know, and be talking about it. We can do like on the fly commentary while we watch the episode. So we'll have to figure out because we've already gotten past uh, a number of the ones. I mean, we could, we could almost do it for, for uh, the next one for four Oh six, which is a big one or for, you know, something down the road. We'll see. Um, but we'll talk about it. And of course, if the, if you patrons out there, if you guys have a preference, like uh, you know, you should do a live commentary on whichever episode just hit us up let us know in the in the patreon comments um i i will note that this will not happen this morning though because we are actually recording earlier in the morning than we normally do so neither vana or i are camera ready no no we uh we kind of rolled out of bed and then and turned things on yeah i'll quickly explain why uh, and if the patrons are wondering why this episode is not appearing until Sunday rather than their usual Wednesday or Thursday. It's because this this week my birthday was Thursday, and so pretty much the usual days that we would record, I was out doing birthday stuff, and um, 
like I was out really late last night and I was out Thursday night. I had faculty meetings as well. So it kind of like pushed my birthday into the weekend. So we just haven't had a chance to get together. So we said, let's just get up Sunday morning early and, and get it knocked out before we start our day. So here we are early Sunday morning um, to get this thing knocked out. At least I'll still get it to the patrons a little bit earlier than the general audience tomorrow. So we got a but big the good, one. Yeah, the, go the good news is that we'll be able to do more patrony stuff now. So oh, going yeah. forward, the, this this will we we solved a lot of issues with this one fell stroke. So I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, I'm always very excited. We can do more stuff for the patrons. Absolutely. Yeah. And and um, you heard at the very beginning of the episode, theoretically, how to how to become part of that. And of course, just go to www.b5review.com. Um, click on the button. So. We have a big episode uh, to talk about. A lot of important things happen in this one, and I'm really looking forward to it. So you want to get on into 405, The Long Night. Well, before we do that, I do have a little something that, that should be brought up. Ooh. I watched a video of somebody who claims to have some inside information on the reboot. Uh-oh, there's and, still talk about it? Oh, yes, there is definitely talk about it. The reboot is not dead, not by what? a long shot. The reason we have not heard any talk at all about it, it being canceled or it being just mm -hmm. shuffled away or anything, is because they don't have any of those plans for it. They have put this on the back burner. They are keeping it alive, and there are some very interesting developments with it. Um, the CW has first... Um, Warner Brothers, HBO Max, wants to do the show as like a, a more adult, grown-up version for HBO Max. Cool. CW still has first airing rights for the show, however. Now, whether or not they, they, they you know, uh, uh, enact those rights is unknown because right now they're getting away from the scripted material. They've canceled everything on CW that, that has a script to it. They canceled mm -hmm. the entire Arrowverse, DC's Arrowverse, which was a, a ratings boon for them. Yeah. But they, they are cutting costs left and right. So if uh, there's only a slim chance that, that CW will, will claim the rights and, and actually produce this show. Um, e either way, Warner Brothers will be producing it. It's just that CW has the, the rights to air it first. Right. If they do decide to do that, uh, Warner Brothers wants to do a director's cut version of each episode for HBO Max. So where the average episode on CW will run 42 minutes because of commercials and whatnot, on HBO Max it will run an hour, an hour, and 20 minutes. So we'll get an additional 20 to 30 minutes of material that they cut out of the CW version to make it more family-friendly and more um, network-friendly. So if, if um, CW does not want to air it first, if they don't want to air it at all, HBO Max will just do the full hour, hour and 20 minute version of, of the show and, and air it first. You can't so be that, serious, man. You cannot be serious. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is what they're, they're talking about right now. They say they're still very interested. Now, this is all coming from unnamed sources within Warners. Actually, it's for a company that uh, works for Warners on some stuff. So I don't know what if it's the production company behind the special effects or I, I don't know where this is coming from, but this guy says that this, this source is very close to the Babylon five production and is very accurate and is very legit. So he's saying that 
It is definitely not dead. And, and this is from a guy who is not necessarily pro reboot either. Right, right. It's not so wishful thinking. Him, right. This isn't wishful thinking. This is him just giving and he he uh, apparently his YouTube channel is more geared towards uh Warner Brothers stuff, you know, cuz he's big into the DC movies and the Snyderverse and all that. So this was just an aside that he stumbled across. So yeah, this is I don't think this is wishful thinking. I think this might be legit that Warner Brothers is still very interested. At least somebody at Warner Brothers is still very interested in the B5 reboot and that it is still something that is brewing. Wow. Yeah. Breaking news on the program this morning. My reaction is... Oh, it's the worst one. This is a big one. (laughs) I'm coming to join you, honey. (laughs) I'm just fall over dead before I even get to see it. Wow. Van, I think there's a large segment of our audience that is too young to to get that reference that you just made. Fred, Fred Sanford, but no, I know that's uh, that would be incredible. Like longer episodes and like more, like a more not adult theme in the bad ways yeah. necessarily, but like right. you know more serious, more uh, you know because there was a concern that the CW would kind of not dumb it down, but just make it you know make it kind of soften it. Yeah, make it kind of teenage level, you know, right? That kind of thing, as opposed to a serious, as you know, adult space opera drama the, kind of thing. So the, the YouTuber said that the expanse was referenced in their discussions. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well I've said go, all, go ahead. I, I've said all along that my dream and I've not really been thinking in terms of like you know the the story, but all along I've said just imagine Babylon five with the same quality level that we expect, but with the expanse's special effects. Right. Oh and, man, and the, the style of storytelling, yeah, the more serious, mm-hmm. uh, realistic. I mean, not that Babylon Five. I mean, Babylon Five was much more operatic, you know, much yes. more um, theatrical. Yes. Than, than what modern storytelling is. So yes. it, it would just be a modern a modern way to, to tell the story. And I think in the Expanse, you can tell is heavily influenced by Babylon Five. Oh yeah. Um, that the, the the creators have have said on multiple. Um, multiple occasions that, that Babylon 5 is a big... In fact, I think... I, I want to say that The Expanse started out as a Babylon 5 role-playing game session. But I'm not sure. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, um, yeah we've, you and I have talked before more than once about how a lot of Babylon 5 is almost done in the way of like a stage play where people... Right. People declaim and proclaim, you know, and kind of... It's not the way shows are anymore. And that's right. it's and, not a negative. That's a it's great. It's right. it's, it's a it's a, literally a space opera. They do everything but break into song. And sometimes Londo does. But right. <laughs> but, um, but but yeah, a, a modern show would be less like that and more like kind of more low key, not as Bombastic. acting, not as much acting, and more just kind of like you know, hey Londo, why don't we talk about this over here? You know, kind of like yeah. that. You know, what I'm saying it's a little more low key. So wow, that's that's incredible. That would be incredible. Well, do we have yeah. any kind of a timetable on that? Are we talking this year, next year? I wonder. They the the guy did not say anything like that. Just said that it is not dead. It is still very much in the interest of of uh, Warner Brothers in in their, It's on their radar. Yeah. So what what that means, I don't know. Well, but everything- the script. The script for the pilot's already written. You know, yeah. it's ready to shoot. So if they want to do it for next season for 2024, mm-hmm. 
it it would not be out of the realm of possibility at all. Every time I see some big movie or show that I've waited my whole life to see, I think, okay, now I can die. And then something comes along, I'm like, dang it, got to live another year. (laughs) 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 Got to find a way to not keel over for the, got to not get hit by, got to get, not get hit by a bus for another year, dang it. And it should, it should be noted that the, uh, the CEO of uh, Discovery Warner Brothers has said within the past week or two that he is done with all the cost-cutting measures and is now ready to, you know, start moving forward with with new productions and new mm. new content. So, so we'll see. Knows? We'll see. So there's a variety of directions this could pursue, and we'll just have to wait and see what how it plays out. Right. Oh man, yeah. And you know the folks, and I appreciate it. I understand. I don't dis. I don't. You know, I'm not mad at people that say I don't want to. I don't want to reboot. But I, I, I kind of understand where they're coming from in a way, even though I disagree with them. But I think it would be great to give them a reason why to redo it, which is that it would be a kind of a substantively different thing. I've just I've felt all along that the people that most loudly have been against doing a new Babylon Five are the ones that just haven't thought about it fully. And they're just kind of, it's like a knee-jerk reaction of, I don't want something I love to be messed up, potentially. You know, right. and number one, if JMS is doing it, it's probably not going to be messed up. And number two, it could be substantially different enough that it's not just a rehash. And number three, as I always say, it will appeal to a younger generation that's not going to watch the show that we love. They're going to want something new, something that looks like 2020s and not 1990s, unfortunately. And I totally get where that crowd is coming from because Mm -hmm. Jakar wouldn't be Jakar without Andreas. Right. Londo wouldn't be Londo without uh, Peter Jurassic. And, And none of the characters would be the same they are very near and dear to their hearts and to my heart as well. Right. It would be, right. it, I, I'm, I'm excited for the, the, the possibility of the reboot, but it would, it, there are difficulties for, for my heart to watch mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. keeping in mind how much I love the original. So I, I yeah. totally get where they're coming from. For sure. Yeah, no, I do. I understand that. Okay. Well, wow. I'm glad that you brought that to our attention. Cause I had not heard, I'm usually pretty much on top and plugged into things, but I had not heard that at all. So good deal. Um, okay, so we are into season four now. Is there any other news or anything we need to talk about before we get into Long Night? Uh, no. All right. Well, nope. 405, The Long Night. Uh, we are well and truly into the Shadow War now. And <laughs> it always yeah. m- makes me laugh to think about in season two, uh, in, was yeah, it was in season two that the voiceover at the beginning said the year the sh- the year the shadow war came upon us all the year the great war came upon us all yeah and that was way back in season two and it's season four now and we're still going and I remember toward the end of season two my roommate in college back then after about seven episodes of season two he goes he said the great war better hurry up and come upon us all or I'm going to quit watching this show. <laughs> if he had only known how much longer it was going to be, you know. Right. So. Oh, that was funny. All right. So 405 the long night. Uh do you want to do the summary or you want to defer? Sure, I'll I'll go ahead and do this. Right. Um in this episode, um uh, Sheridan and Delenn are formulating a plan to bring the Borlons and the Shadows into direct confrontation. 
In the meantime, Londo is advancing his plan to uh, assassinate Cartesia mm-hmm. and uh, get um, Jakar free. Yeah, there you go. You know what I always I don't I don't forget it, but it I all I I I always kind of forget how much of the beginning of season four is Centauri business as opposed to Shadow War. I know they're related. I know they're completely 100% connected, but there's kind of two phases to what's going on in, here in the in the Shadow War part of, you know, in, in, in season four so far. There's the Sheridan and Delenn and Ivanova getting ready for the big space war thing, right? And then, like, totally separate from that, there's Londo, Veer, Jakar, and Cartagia on Centauri Prime slash Narn. And those are, like, two separate storylines that are completely connected, but they're two, you know, they kind of cut back and forth between them. And I always forget just how much is Centauri business as opposed to Shadow War business. This This episode and the last one. We're, yep. we're a lot of Londo, Jakar, Veer, and the Gimp and the Emperor. Right. A lot. So, um, all right. So this episode, we've been talking about the P5 rating on the Lurker's Guide just because it's interesting to kind of compare what the l- viewers back then thought to what we think now. I guess if we cut that number in half, we would get kind of our rating because they do out of 10, we do out of 5. Uh, the the P five rating, which was how the viewers voted back in the day in the nineties, was for this one was eight point eight two, which would be a four point four one. So right yeah. at a four point five. Right, that mm, tracks. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, this was production number four hundred five. Originally aired January twenty seventh. 1997, which is interesting because we're recording this on January 15th, 2023. <laughs> so it's, it's the right time of year for this. Yep. Of course, it was written by J. Michael Straczynski. Now, here's the interesting thing I found out. Uh, rem- hold, oh, 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 one minute. What, yes. What, what, what was the, the in-show date? 22? Uh, oh, this is 2261. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, no. And we're we're fairly early in 2261, I think, because right, because January it's the 20, yeah. You're right. Because yep. it's early in the and this. I mean, the first several episodes of this season have have taken place over like what a week, two weeks. Yeah. It seems like <laughs> right. not not much time. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Um. Written by JMS. Now this is what's interesting. You know, we've we've commented on how the biggest episodes tend to be written, I mean, directed by people whose names we know, Eagle and Nimoy and f- those guys, right, and gals, Janet Greek, right? Yep. But, um, but the last two have been directed by people whose names I didn't recognize, and and yeah. I didn't I didn't bother to look up the one last last time, and I apologize for that, but I did look up this one. You're not going to believe this, Andy. You are not going to believe this. This episode was directed by John LaFia. Mm-hmm. Do you know what else John LaFia was famous for doing? I don't know. This is going to blow your mind. John LaFia, 
who directed three episodes of Babylon 5, and I'm assuming this is the first one since I don't remember encountering his name before. It is. This is his first one. Okay. He is famous. He co-created Chucky, Child's Play. (laughs) Yes! That's crazy. He wrote the first Child's Play movie, and he directed the second one. That's nuts. Yes. <laughs> out of, I mean, out of left field. Where did that come no from? Kidding. You know, yeah. my wife's nickname, because she is short and redheaded, is Chucky. Oh, no. So I, I, I'm definitely going to drop this on her, and she's going to laugh her butt off. Wow. How about that? He did a bunch of other stuff. He directed a lot of TV, did a bunch of other stuff. And now i got to bring it down for a second here, Andy, because this is Babylon 5. And, of course, we all know... There's nothing triumph about Babylon 5 that does not have equal shares of tragedy. Oh, no. Did he die? John LaFia committed suicide on April 29th, 2020. Not that long ago. Wow. Holy cow. Yep. And that just fits right in with Babylon 5 history, doesn't it? No kidding. There's just a shadow over this. Oh, man. Yeah. No pun intended, but yeah. so. No pun intended. Yeah, so quite the story just about just about the director of this episode. But he directed quite a wonderful episode. He did a fantastic job, I thought. He did. I uh, the one scene in particular during the uh when the the Centauri Londo is sitting around with his co-conspirators and they're discussing their plans. The the single shot with the camera creeping mm. around the outside of the the table instead of showing face to face to face that you know how you do a normal conversation that was like the camera like a co-conspirator creeping around the outside and it just added to the the whole atmosphere it was fantastically done you know i didn't even catch that but when you say it i realize it happened and that's the best i think the best right. kind of shot like that is where you don't necessarily get distracted by something cool it just flows Right. Because if it had been in your face, you'd have spent so much time going, oh, look what they're doing, that you wouldn't have heard the conversation. Right, exactly. But now I think back and go, yeah, that was cool, but it just went right past me because I, it was so effective that I was absorbed in the scene. Yep. That's yep. really, that's was, really good. Amazingly done, yeah. That's really good. Um, all right, notable guest stars, well, besides Wortham Krimmer, and there was no Lori in this episode. I, I right. my my understanding was they filmed a scene with him, but it got bumped for time into the next episode. So right. out of nowhere, no Lorian in his little Lorian run. Right, and no uh, Ivanova either. No, she was at the beginning. There's a couple of scenes with her. Right, 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 right. Yep. I, she. I, I was thinking back to the war room scene. Oh, because she was all flying about. Okay, I remember yeah. now. Yeah. Now, of course, they, we didn't know it at the time, but the big guest star of this episode was none other than Walter White, yep. <laughs> Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston as Erickson. And I got more to say about him coming up in a minute. It, it's but, very interesting to con- contrast his Walter White persona <laughs> and character with no hair at all. Yes. To this, this uh, Erickson guy who has more hair than uh, Smiling Johnny. Yes, he does. <laughs> were you a were are you a are you a Breaking Bad 
person? Oh, my, yes, absolutely. One of my Good all-time deal. favorite TV shows. Yeah, me too. Good deal. All right. So, yeah, it was interesting to see Brian Cranston. And, and JMS has a comment coming up, so I'll leave. I'll hold off for just a minute. But, yeah, I remember at the time, didn't he play like, wasn't he on like the Wonder Years or something before? Uh... He did Malcolm in the Middle, but that, that was, was it. after, just shortly after, um his appearance there on Babylon 5. He was okay. not in Malcolm in the Middle yet. He was a little bit older in Malcolm in the Middle. Okay. So this was like one of his first appearances, I guess, to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah. Um, all right. So that gets us into random factoids and notes. What kind of factoids or notes do you have other than your big news brief that you... Yeah. The only thing, the only thing I dug up was that Londo was originally supposed to be the one to kill... Cartagia. Yep. Um, and it was, of course, beer that did it. Um, now, there is some, um, I don't want to say controversy, but there's some uh, discussion whether or not it was JMS. JMS claims that it was his idea that it came to him while he was writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen First has come out and said that he offered the idea to JMS. And that's when the change was made, that JMS loved the, the, uh, the idea and changed the script. Ooh, that's yeah. interesting. That's controversial. Yeah, a little, cor- a little uh, Kirby Stan Lee controversy mm. there. <laughs> yeah, and we don't have Stephen First to ask. I don't believe anymore, right? I believe he passed no, away. No, yeah, yeah, he passed away. So um, that is because I, I had not heard that part. I I know the other version. And I'm going to get to it in just a second when I get to JMS speak. So, all right, well, let's hold on to that for just a second. I've got to say. <clears throat> This episode has some of the greatest quotes from the entire series in it. Yes. yes. And I wrote, I wrote down three. Okay. Okay. Early on, when Ivanova and Sheridan are talking about the shadow death cloud and everything, Sheridan famously says, giants in the playground, right? Which mm. is, we, we'll hear that again later on in the series. Yeah. Um, which I love that. That's a great evocative line. And then Jakar, about halfway through the episode, gets some really good lines, including an empty eye can see through to an empty heart. Yep. Wow, man. I don't know what that means, but it's perfect. It sounds, it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Cartagia gets possibly his, my, possibly my favorite Cartagia line, although he has several good ones. When they've killed the jester... Mm-hmm. And he says, humor is such a subjective thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's like philosophical about murdering his court jester. Wow, okay. Right. All right, it's too bad that Rebo and Zudi didn't come by the Centauri Royal Court at that point. <laughs> yeah, we would have taken care of that problem real fast. Um, all right, few few factoids. I just noted Garibaldi was entirely normal this episode. He only gets right. like one scene, but I noted that too. He was he was the old Garibaldi. He wasn't quite so surly. Yeah. Well, he did say we're outclassed, boys and girls. Right. <laughs> but that's but something. He did, you, right. You it, it wasn't directed at or about Sheridan. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say we're outclassed, boys and girls, and it's all it's all space Jesus's fault there. <laughs> <laughs> What are you gonna do about it, Sheridan? Right. Well, Michael, he was normal know. normal levels of surly, not not the yeah. <laughs> modern levels yeah. of surly. Uh, up up hyped version, yeah. Um, okay, a couple of notes. Uh, 
at one point in Born to the Purple, Londo famously says to Veer, what do you want, you moon-faced assassin of joy? Well, guess who actually turned out to be a moon-faced assassin? (laughs) Oh, okay. And and it, in some ways, does begin to undo the what do you want when Londo got us all in this mess to begin with. So good for Veer. Um, a quick, you know, I think this is pretty obvious to people that have watched the whole series, but it's got to have been Sinclair that left Tennyson's Ulysses poem for Sheridan, right? Right. Which I thought was a neat kind of a reference to like how presidents leave a note for the next president in the desk in the White House. Yep. And Sinclair left a poem for Sheridan, which he gets to read. Um... We get the reference to, to the Bible with Jakar talking about his eye offended Cartagia. We got that last, we talked about that a little bit last episode too. Right. Um, it also kind of touches on the Norse mythology in which Odin gives away one of his eyes for in exchange for the ability to perceive things beyond normal senses. And Jakar yep. says he can now perceive things beyond his normal senses. Right. He. This is where Jakar really kind of takes that next step jump. He's he's just gone from, you know, he started out as like angry Klingon dude, and he, you know, he kind of worked his way up to statesman, and now he really is becoming just like a religious figure, like a, just a like space Gan- Gandhi. Space Gandhi, yeah. yeah. Which is not where I thought, you know, when I when I originally watched the show, when I right. originally watched The Gathering, I never said that guy's going to be Space Gandhi. Right. No, <laughs> and it, it's interesting that scene that he had with the the celebrating Narns, where they're yes. all like, "Yes, we must kill the the Centauri." How juxt uh, the just the juxtaposition of him with the Narn he was talking to? It was like he was talking to his first season self. Yes. Oh yeah, that's good. Absolutely. And and, and I take his his newfound insight to be more of a, a wisdom gained rather than some sort of psychic ability. Right. No, I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I think that he means he's become so wise that it's like having right. psychic abilities. Yeah, I agree with right. you. Uh, Oddity, in the initial broadcast of this episode, they played the third season theme over the closing credits instead of the fourth season theme. That's weird. Um, Harlan Ellison created the Shadow Death Cloud, which I oh, totally really? buy. Yeah, Harlan, because he's the con- creative consultant. Right. So I'm sure JMS went to him and said, Harlan, how would you blow up a planet if you didn't have right. a Vorlon planet killer? <laughs> and he's probably like, well, Joe, I'd drop a bunch of nuclear bombs down into the core and rip the thing apart from the inside out. And JMS is like, sounds good. Let's do it. So, And they uh, got to the core pretty darn fast. That was a matter of seconds that they traveled hundreds of miles to the yeah, core of that planet. Yes, they did. And it won't be the last time we see the Shadow Planet Killer, by the way. Um, right. Let's see. There is a. It was noted that in the very last scene before it goes to the executive producer credit, the star furies on the screen disappear. Some kind of a special effects glitch. They must have been using your old computer. (laughs) 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 That's funny. So I will. I I did notice that the two different types of star furies that they have. They have the old style star fury and the new style. They mm -hmm. have different colors of uh, engine. Exhaust. Ah, one is one is red and one is blue. I didn't I didn't pick up which one was which, 
because it was all from behind. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I bet it's the newer ones that are red, just because the newer ones are generally seen more evil. Right. Uh, well, until Crusade, they're they're really cool on Crusade. But anyway. Um, yeah. All right. A few. Just a, I only have three unanswered questions. Now I that, have one. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Do yours. All right. My unanswered question, and this you might be able to answer: Does the Centauri Court Jester have a card in the Babylon Five card game? I don't think so, hmm. which is crazy because like every other frame of the entire series <laughs> right. is a card. I thought for sure he would have had one because I mean he actually had lines and stuff. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I don't. You know. I mean, there was actually a moment in this episode where I saw a card. Um, when somebody says something funny, they cut to one of the Centauri courtiers who's holding a drink and kind of goes, ha ha, you know, and that's a card. That's totally a card. <laughs> but yeah, I'm surprised so, that he doesn't have random, one. Random alcoholic courtier gets a card, but the jester doesn't. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I, now I want to go dig through all my cards. I don't think he does, though. That's interesting. Um, now that Narn is free, will Jakar retain his stature? Or will his countrymen come to feel that the way, you know, the same way the ones that were tearing apart the the, the decorations did, which is he didn't really have much of a, he didn't do that much, which made him laugh all the way out, which we'll get to that. Right, right. Um, how, and, and therefore, how will the Narn react when they learn the real reason why the Centauri left? Because they think that they drove him away. Right. And... and which I don't know how they thought that because they weren't doing anything. I mean, you know, but okay, sure. And then finally, my question is, what has become of the refugees on Epsilon 3? Have they all suffocated yet? <laughs> that is an important question. Yeah. Got a lot of refugees down there, man. Got to deal with them. All right. Uh, JMS, just some quotes from JMS, some answers from him. Somebody mentioned that the Erickson scene was moving with uh, with Walter White, and he says, thanks, I think, a, I think a lot of it there has to do with the performance of the actor playing Erickson. He brought a real sense of presence to the job. So um, he was um, he was doing a, a good job. Brian Cranston was doing a good job, even you know, caught JMS's eye, which I thought was cool. Right. He's a good um, actor. Yeah. Um, there's a bit there about JMS saying exactly what you said, which was that he was writing the assassination scene and he says Veer, as opposed to Stephen first, Veer said to him, let me do it. And JMS goes, you, nobody expects you to do it. And he's like, exactly. And so he does it. Um, so that is really interesting that Stephen first th thinks that conversation actually happened in real life as opposed to in JMS's right. head. Wow, right. that's I wonder I really wonder what the truth of it was. Um, he uh, JMS made a very strong point that there was nothing accidental about Veer stabbing him because uh, you know if you watch the scene how it plays out bang 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 it almost looks like the emperor just bumps into Veer who just happens to be standing there holding the the little weapon. But JMS says Veer had to go pick it up, turn around, move toward Cartagia, pop out the needle, stick it in, you know, pull the trigger. Nothing was accidental about it, but if we'd shown all that, it wouldn't have been a substantial of a surprise. 
Right, and it had to go directly into his heart. So I mean, yeah. veer, it, it, there was only a small target that it had to go into. So yeah, that that could not. If it had happened by accident, it would have been, it would have stretched credulity. Yeah, but it but the way that it plays out, it almost seems like he just turns around and bumps into him. You know, right by right. accident. But yeah, but when you think about it, it wasn't right, and that's why Veer was so upset because he knew he had done it on purpose. Absolutely. And yeah, there you go. It was, um, it was definitely a, a, a choice that he made. For sure. Londo says there will be a reckoning, and somebody asked what exactly is he talking about. JMS says in the next life for his actions in this one would be the best way of putting it. He expects to be punished in the next life or in the afterworld or something like that. That wasn't clear what he meant to me. He says right. there will be a reckoning, but we'll have, that'll have to wait, something like that, you know. Um. Another reference. Somebody asked, was Jakar within the stocks a reference to Jesus on the cross? And and, and JMS says, you know, there's various inf- influ- influences there. To me, it wasn't Jesus on the cross. It was more Jesus carrying the cross up the up the mountain or whatever, right? Exactly, right. Golgotha, yeah. yeah. Um, there was talk about, oh, yeah. So when uh, somebody asked about about uh, Sheridan asking Erickson, "Are you a married man?" and somebody said that that Sheridan should have known, and JMS is like, "Well, no, uh, Patton and MacArthur didn't know the married status of all of their men." You know, now I, I think it's because people are looking at the captain of a White Star as like a pretty far up the chain of command in the in the Army of Light. So maybe right. Sheridan should have known more about him. But he also makes the point that really more Delenn in charge of that. So Sheridan, right. she might have known, but Delenn, but but Sheridan didn't. And um, I wanted to throw in that my my daughter, my fourteen year old daughter, was in the room when that scene played out, and she looked at me in surprise. And when he says, "Are you a married man, Erickson?" and she goes, "Is he asking him out?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. No, that's that's no. not remotely what this scene is about. But it just struck me as funny that that's the first thing she thought of. Right. I guess I guess I could understand it, but the context, you know, everybody's standing around looking at him on the screen, and you really think he's going right. to be, yeah, okay. Well, and that is that is not an uncommon trope in in war movies and, right. and action movies where they they ask for only the unmarried men to, yeah, to. Uh, do their thing well and and jms said also um it was because sheridan was going to contact the family right and let them know it, it it was a way of letting everybody know that this was a, a, a intentional suicide mission without saying hey this is a suicide mission right yeah yeah and and the reaction that that brian cranston has there that that that, that, that erickson has is you know kind of like realizing he's just told me i'm going to die right yeah, that was that was tough. Yep. Um, more on Sheridan sacrificed the ship. I think it, JMS says I think it also showed the League of Non-Aligned Worlds that Sheridan is willing to sacrifice his own people. That he means business. That he's prepared to go all the way, and they'd better be prepared to go all the way as well. And of course, we're going to see in the next episode how far the rest of this loose coalition that Sheridan has put together is willing to go. There's a lot right. of flat, there's a lot of flash Gordon to, to Sheridan here, right? The, I've always said, yep. you know, the, the Buck Rogers trope is man from the past teaches people in the future how to fight or something. And right. the flash Gordon trope is man from earth 
It's the Lawrence of Arabia trope. Man from outside the tribes pulls the tribes together where the tribes themselves couldn't trust each other to come together. Right. So Sheridan has kind of become Lawrence of Arabia at this point. And as, and, and, as, and, and as Sharif Ali says, uh, among the Arab tribes, you know, he who can bring victory in battle is honored above all others. And that's what Sheridan is doing. And so he is basically the Lawrence of Arabia, the Flash Gordon of this story, yeah. which I really appreciate. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. You ready to get in the categories? I am. I'm set. Here we go. What was your high point of the long night? Uh, there were a lot of yeah. really cool high points in this one, but my favorite was when Jakar breaks his chains. That that was just such a cool moment. I mean, it it it, it, it was a culmination of you know three and a half seasons of of Jakar's progress, and and to see him just break loose like that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. And I love that they go a step further with it you know the 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 story structure is you get somebody up in a tree and then you throw rocks at them so they got him up in a tree having him chained up and then the throwing rocks at him is Cartagia says yeah the chains look kind of weak so we put new stronger chains on right. and you're just, as a right. viewer you're just like oh no now it messes everything up and of yep. course then Jakar is like I don't care yeah. you know he hulks <laughs> out and does it anyway so that was so clearly he could have broken the original chains even if they hadn't been weakened if yeah. he's able to break the new ones that are even stronger. So, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I had the assassination of Cartagia just because it's something we've been building toward for so very long. And the way that it played out was so cool with Veer and everything. Um, my question, though, from that scene was how did nobody kill Jakar while they were off assassinating the emperor. Right? Did he just beat up every single Centauri guard in the room while they were out of sa- I guess. And he must have. <laughs> he Even must. though they had guns and <laughs> right. he didn't. I mean, that we was, saw him was... knock a bunch of them down, but still. Yeah. That was just, uh, that was a cool scene. I just figured they'd kill the emperor and then come back into the throne room and then Shakar is like riddled with bullets or riddled with blasts or something. But no, he right. he's fine. He's good. He's he's taking care of things. It's all good. So, yeah, that was my, that, interesting. My question from the well, maybe it actually, hmm, I think that scene came later. This the scene where uh, um, uh, the the co-conspirators after the assassination nominate Malari. Yes, where Malari. And, and they nominate Malari for the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Was was Malari expecting that? Because he his reaction seemed to be like, "What? That wasn't no. part of the plan." No, I don't think okay. he thought. I don't think he'd gone that far with it. Right. Okay. I, I I think he was planning on sitting down with those guys and working something out. But they kind of like did it on their own and presented it as a fait accompli before he had even had a chance to kind of get into it. That was my impression. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. I that's that's, that's a good observation because yeah I. It did seem to kind of hit him out of nowhere, and I agree. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it was his plan because it's interesting. If if Londo was a more evil character, I know we, he's he's done some dumb things and he's done stuff that ends up being effectively evil. But I don't think Londo's an evil character. If right. he had been, this would have all been in aid of making him emperor. You know what I mean? Like right. this right. would have all been his plan. He'd have been like, "Oh, little old me. Oh heavens. Okay, fine. You know." Whereas here he was more like. <laughs> What? <laughs> so, yeah, if this had been part of his plan, it would have played out, I think, a little bit differently. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, there's more. There's so many things we could go into, but I, I'll move on ahead. The low point of the episode. And this is usually like, if if it's something that we're disappointed in, fine. Otherwise, just kind of like emotional or story low point. What do you got for that? Yep. Uh, this one was when Sheridan asks Erickson to uh, go on the suicide mission. That yeah. was a tough scene. I mean, that was, was tough from uh, from the perspective of of everybody in the war room because they knew what was going on too, and they actually showed the reaction of several of the the. Uh, the league members, and then oh, yeah. the reaction of Erickson himself was was just really hard because the the realization hit him uh, right away, and that it was well acted, and it was it was a very uh, uh, emotional scene. Yeah, you make a good point there. The aliens in that scene even were kind of like looking the other way, looking down. They were kind of like yeah. clearly they realized this is a serious, you know, it, it wasn't right. just the other humans, but you know. Um, yeah, that for sure is, is certainly the most low point. Uh, there's another one, though. I'm glad you put that one because I put a different one, which is I put the Narns at the end have not changed at all, and they demand yep. to know, what have you endured, Citizen Jakar? Yes. What have you endured? And he's just like, <laughs> He <just laughs> cracks up and walks out laughing, which right. um, I don't know if that had the effect on those Narns that he maybe wanted, but it certainly was satisfactory to us, right? That we we're just like, yeah. come on, get out of here. Um, and and I, I fully expected Jakar at that moment to just throttle that guy for <laughs> yeah, saying that. But him. Again, yeah. right, again, you know, twisting our expectations, he just turns around laughing and walks away. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I wonder if that was Kim Strauss. I didn't get the credits for who that last Narn was, but he had that same delivery that right. a lot of the Narns and a lot of the Drazi have, which is that sort of, what have you endured? You know, that, that sort of very effective, affected way of speaking that they do. Right. So it could have been. I don't remember. Um, okay, another low point, though. I thought that they pushed, I thought this scene was funny up until the point that they pushed it too far. And I'm going to play it because I have it queued up here. Andy and I were just speaking about how you know, we've got the capacity now, and I didn't even think of it. I've got all the entire series on MP4. I could be playing clips all along. I have played a couple. But here is that scene, and I want you to see what I mean by it almost goes too far. How fast does the poison work? Very quickly. He said almost instantaneously. Almost? Eh. How fast is almost? Time enough for him to stagger back into the main room and cry out, Lando killed me. Hmm? <laughs> or maybe just enough time for him to say, Lando killed. Ah! <laughs> and maybe he won't even get that out. I mean, he'll just maybe go, Lon. Ah! <laughs> and maybe he'll just be totally delirious and, and, and say everything backwards and say, Kill Lando. Ah! And there. I, I was just making a play on the. Well. It's time. All right. So you see what I mean? I felt like the, f the first two or three they did, yeah. But then they say, well, he gets everything backwards and says, kill Londo. And I'm like, eh, I think you maybe pushed the scene a little too far there. Right. Maybe that's just me. I agree. Yeah. Well, and that that's a lot of uh, JMS's theatrical background, too, because it was a kind of a slow build to the, the, the one impactful line that he wanted. Yeah. So. Right, right, right. So, all right. <clears throat> Um, let's see. What was your most Babylon 5 scene from this episode? Most Babylon 5 scene was uh, Sheridan's captain's log right there at the end, right before they, they jump into uh, the, the jump gate. I thought that was really cool because it encapsulates 
and 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 narrates basically the entire series up until that point. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah, it really does. And it's, we're going into the fire, right? Which is yep. interesting that he said that. Yep. Um, yeah, most Battle of the I did. I had giant space fleet at the end. Just mind-boggling giant space fleet. Biggest we've ever seen. Onward yep. to Coriana 6. Coriana 6, of course, will go down in Babylon 5 history. Very, very yep. important location. Um, up there with the Pelennor Fields, <laughs> you know, in terms of uh, <laughs> right. really important places. Um, okay, uh, but there are plenty of others, obviously. This episode had tons. What was your right. favorite character moment this episode? I, there was a lot of really great character moments to choose from, but I finally, after scratching out a couple of them, I settled on, um, and this is kind of, it's, I'm kind of cheating here, but Beer's regret at, at assassinating yeah. the, uh, the emperor, right? That that whole conversation with Londo, where it ended up with, you know, what was it all for? I thought that was a very, again, another very theatrical scene, um, and then Jakar's final scene, Jakar's regret at what the Narn have become. Um, I thought that was they kind of mirrored each other a little bit, and I thought that was very impactful. Both scenes were, especially when you look at them together like that. Yeah, and it and it plays into what uh, what Kosh said way back in like one of the early episodes, where he said that they were both a dying people. Yep. And Absolutely. this is we're we're seeing them basically taking each other down in certain ways, I guess, or wanting yep. to, yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's kind of like a pirate victory. I mean, in their mm. their moment of greatest celebration, you know, Londo for having freed his people from Cartesia and mm. Jakar for having freed his people from the uh, Centauri. Mm. Yet it's it's a very sad. It, it's a, it's a hollow victory. Yeah. For both for both people. Yeah, yeah. It it really is amazing. It reflects how. Even when you get what you want, it may be too late for you, you know, that you're still, right. you've suffered so much at this point, you've just gone down the path of bitterness and revenge and anger to the point that there's maybe just no coming back. Maybe for yep. characters, but not for the entire people. They're just right. toast, yeah. And so I thought both, both scenes were very well, uh, all the lines were very well mm -hmm. delivered. It was, it was very well done. Yeah, I had that one as one of two to note. Again, there are so many. Um, the other one was, to me, was when uh, Ivanova gets a really good scene in this episode where Sheridan is like, I don't want you to come, you know, with us. And she's like, no, no, don't you leave me out. You know, all my right. life people have promised me this and it never happens. And, and she says, I have just enough trust left that if you promise me I'll be there at the end, I'll believe you. And he gets it, right? Sheridan's like, yep. All right. Yes. Okay. You'll be there. I promise. And that, I, that was a. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Claudia just killed it. Yeah, she did. And it, it was a very good scene for that. That shows exactly what their relationship is and how yeah. far it's come. I thought that was really super well done. Looking back from this vantage point, where we have talked a lot and been very analytical about Ivanova and about Claudia Christian's performance, I have come to the conclusion that while she can be so funny when she's angry and yelling at aliens and stuff, you know, and yelling at people, yelling at Marcus and everything, she can be so funny. I think her real, that when she really shines 
is when she's vulnerable because she yep. doesn't seem vulnerable very often. Right. And when she kind of gets that little like puppy dog look in her eyes, you can almost see her bottom lip trembling and she's saying right. something like, don't leave me out, you know, John. That really is when Claudia, I think, just is killing it. Absolutely. And, and she comes across as so uh, genuine, you yes. know, in, in those scenes. It's, and it, it just makes those other scenes of, of funny Ivanova or badass Ivanova that much more impactful because we know how uh, the, just the depth of, of the character. and, and The range. The, 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 the range of the acting is, is phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. That there's Again, she's a, she's a deep character. There's more to she her. Is. She's not a cartoon character. She's a very deep character that we didn't appreciate. I don't think as we've talked about before. Right. Right. And, and it just comes back to what what we have concluded long ago was she is that character is the heart and soul of of the whole series. Which I never would have said before we watched it this time. I mean, I knew she Same was here. good. I, I, I knew she was good. Yeah. Right. I think we get so dazzled by Londo and Jakar that you kind of get their oh, glare yeah. obscures everything else to a degree. Oh, and then the love story between, you know, Sheridan yeah. and, and, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, Delenn. Yeah. I mean that, and, and of course the big giant space war going on, is yes. kind of, you know, kind of flashy too, but yeah, it, it, I mean, she is, yeah, the, 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 the moral center of, of mm. the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's really remarkable. I'm I have become totally won over to the idea. Yeah, like you say, there's all the big flashy stuff going on, character flashy stuff and story flashy stuff. But she's yep. just kind of the heart in the middle of it all. And yep. it and we'll 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 see that in a different way coming up unfortunately. Yeah, in terms Absolutely. of Absolutely. Yeah, so um yeah, that was my favorite character moment. Funniest moment. You know, the, the only real humor, I mean, there were some funny moments, but it was all dark humor. Mm. Um, so what I have, I had too, I had um, the, the scene you mentioned between uh, Londo and Veer when they're discussing the, you know, the, the uh, yeah how fast the poison's going to work. But I thought uh, Cartagia's line where humor is such a subjective thing. It was just so, uh, I mean, it was funny, but very <laughs> Darkly and disturbingly funny. <laughs> Definitely so I, dark. I thought it was. I thought it was. It was pretty, pretty effective though. It was it, I mean, it, it made me chuckle when he said that because it. I mean, it's referencing humor, so it's mm. it's kind of funny in that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, I had drunk Veer when he does the whole. You know, Londo says you're drunk. And Veer is like, why, what, you, oh, you betcha. <laughs> you know, something yeah. like that. <laughs> and uh, which I thought, that's a very human expression that the Centauri yes, are I using there. Yes, I thought that same thing, too. <laughs> um, of course, they're probably speaking Centauri, and we just don't know it because we're getting an right, right. instantaneous translation. But um, the funny thing to me about that, though, beyond just what uh, Stephen first does with it, is the idea of Londo being scandalized by somebody being drunk as, <laughs> right. as of if all people, <laughs> yeah, as if he could remember 2258, he right. spent the entire year drunk. Come on. Wait, in fact, I've got, I've got a line for you here on my soundboard, Londo. Come on, come on, man. <laughs> that's, that's what, that's what Veer should have said to him right there. Come on, man. 
And Veer effectively does say that. He points out to him, like, dude, this is yeah. how you dealt with everything, everything the entire time I was on the station with you. Yeah. And to Londo's credit, he does kind of realize that and come around after a yeah. minute. He, he kind of right. gets it. He, he, he gets yeah. it, yeah. And then there's that, that um, just that really good exchange, which I'm afraid doesn't get in any of our categories, but it should. So I'll just mention here where Londo basically says to him, you know, I've always been jealous of you, Veer, because you've retained your innocence in your way. And I had no innocence, basically, you know. And right. I thought that was, there's a really good, kind of very serious, somber conversation there that um, between the two of them, where Londo yeah, basically was- just says, you know, I, you know, you, when you came to me, you were this way, and you've kind of been able to stay that way, and yeah. That was a great scene for both characters. Yeah, it really was. There's just, again, like we said at the beginning, there's just so many scenes in this episode. We can only mention a few here, but there's just so many. Um, who won this episode? I'm going to say that Londo won this episode because he ended up uh, you know, achieving all of his goals, and then he was also made prime minister. Whether or not he wants yeah. it, I don't know, but uh, he, he achieved all of his goals. He, he got out of Narn. He got rid of that whole problem. He got rid of the, the emperor. Um, he thinks that he saved his planet the, the whole nine yards. So he's, I mean, he's the one that, that, that I think is the only one that actually came out ahead. Now, you could say possibly Sheridan and the, the, the League of Non-Aligned Worlds because they finally left to confront the Shadows, but that hasn't happened yet. So, Yeah, and I agree with that. And I also put that Jakar won, but in a very bittersweet way. He certainly right. suffered, but he got what he wanted too, which is that the Centauri left. I mean, remember, remember his his plea a few a while back where he says leave narn you know like leave us alone basically is what he says right and they did they did they finally yep. did leave and he got what he wanted and then he of course immediately finds out that his own people are idiots and <laughs> and right. didn't appreciate it and that is it. yeah that is the only reason why I didn't choose Jakar because it, yeah the, he, he his he achieved his goals, but it, it wasn't. It was like I said earlier. It was a hollow victory for him. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, but uh, all right. Uh, well, who lost? I would say the big loser here was uh, Captain Erickson. <laughs> it wasn't good for him, no. but in a good cause though. Right. In a winning in a winning effort. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I have Cartagia as well. I think yeah, we can yeah, definitely, definitely say he was a big loser. <laughs> he definitely lost. And then the, the, the third party I had were the Vorlons. Because all this time, you know, they've been kind of fooling us into thinking they were the good guys and the Shadows were the bad guys. In the last couple of episodes, we've really kind of come to appreciate that the Vorlons are just as much the quote-unquote bad guys as the Shadows, just in a different way. Right. And now... You know, during the course of this episode, it was this episode was really more about confronting them than confronting the shadows. When the right. when the shadow death cloud shows up at the beginning, they're like, "Oh, I guess we still have to deal with the shadows too." Up to that point, it's been all about we've got to stop the Vorlons because they're on this rampage. Right, and 
I think if the Vorlons cared at all about what the the League of Non-Aligned Worlds or the younger races think of them, I think that I, I would have chosen them as the losers. But they don't even care. So yeah, <laughs> you're right. They don't care. They, they, they don't even see it as a loss. Like, whatever. They, they haven't been given a reason to care yet, but it's early days. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, the thing that's interesting to me, and this talking with you about it now brings this out to me even more, Going into this season, we knew the Shadow War would surely culminate with some kind of confrontation with the Shadows. Mm-hmm. Okay, militarily, philosophically, both, whatever, a reckoning. Okay. Right. Who saw who on their Babylon 5 bingo card in season three had Vorlons go bug nuts crazy and send their entire fleet out to start blowing up innocent planets. Right. That kind of came out of nowhere. And that's why it's been so weird to me that even as we keep calling it the shadow war and they keep calling it the shadow war in this season, it for a lot of this season, it's really been more the stop the Vorlons war. Right. And it's, 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 yeah. It's like the Americans referring to uh, the uh, the French Indian War. It's like, <laughs> but you leave out the British, who are the big bad guys for for the Americans. You know, just a few years later. Yeah, yeah, and it's so it's the it's the it, it just it's watching the Vorlons kind of come from like never doing anything. I mean, remember Sheridan had to get in Kasha's face to get them to do anything, right? And I use the term face loosely there. But he had to get, <laughs> Kasha's, he had to get up in Kasha's business and say, get off your counter-suited butts and do something. Right. Well, okay, John, you asked for it. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. They have gotten off their encounter-suited butts, and they are definitely doing something. And now it's, oh, my gosh, how do we stop the Vorlons? And this was the episode where it all kind of came together of let's bring them together. Yeah. Let's force the issue. Right. We're, and, we're done fighting their war for them. Yes. Let them fight their war. Yes. Giants in the playground. Let's either get them, let's get them out of the playground, let them go beat each other up somewhere else. Um, oh, I had something there. It's gone. Crap. But, uh, Sorry. Oh, no, no. I know what it was. JMS has said, JMS has said that the, one story that intrigues him, but he didn't know how he would, if he would ever get a chance to tell it, is why was Kosh different from the other Vorlons, and how did he come to be that way, and what did he think was going to happen? You know, it's it's kind of weird to say. I don't think you could do it in television, but I think JMS said maybe someday in a novel we can tell the story of how Kosh came to be Kosh. And how there was this one Vorlon who said, "Let we need to bring, we need to stop, right? We need to stop doing Vorlon business and and right. and go away." Right. And he was the only one. Right. That's interesting. Olkesh Darth Kashi was a much better representation of the Vorlons. See, this right. is what this is what fooled us about the Vorlons from day one. We've always had Kosh as the only Vorlon we knew. And so we thought, oh, the Vorlons are oh they're they're enigmatic, they're mysterious, they're quiet, but they're not bad. They're just kind of right. weird. When Olkesh Kosh shows up, we're like, they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're a bunch of nice they're a bunch of space a-holes is what they are. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I, that, I think that, that was, was like the, the Americans' realization during World War II when they're like, you know what, these Russian guys that are on our side, <laughs> yeah, they're they're not exactly the best people on the planet. <laughs> no, 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 no. And you know, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, and I bet there's some of that because JMS is like Polish, right? He's originally from yep. Poland, Ru- Russia, Poland. He's from Eastern Europe. He's yeah, and he's right. very steeped in all that. There is a lot of Narn Centauri in the Soviet Nazi part of World War II, where neither side is particularly admirable, and they're just being brutal to each other. Yep. Yeah, very interesting. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. I had never thought about that before, but I've been studying Barbarossa and the whole Eastern Front a lot in the last year or so. I've been watching and reading uh, Winds of War and War and Remembrance, Herman Woke and all that, mm-hmm. and it goes a lot into that. And, yeah, there's a lot there. That is really interesting. Oh, so. Absolutely horrific period of, of, of time. I mean, just yeah. the people of Ukraine suffered coming and going, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it was just, yeah, just Poland, horrific. too, yeah. Anybody yeah, that Poland was in between too. the two, yeah. Right, right. They got it from both ends. They did. I think um, more Ukrainians died during World War II than any other nationality. Yeah, in fact, I I think it was them and 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 Belarus, which was white Russia. Yeah, I, I think I read that Belarus they didn't recover their population numbers for like twenty years after World War II. In other oh, words, sure. In other words, like fifteen years after World War II, they still had fewer people than they did in nineteen thirty-eight or something. Right, yeah. It's insane, yeah. Yep. All right, it's time for the rating, and I'm always curious to see how this plays out. I know this one's going to be a good rating, so what yep. have you got? On our scale of zero to five, when we use when we do do halves, 0. 0.5. I, I had four stars, but I scratched that out and put 4.5. I, I, you know, going back and, and thinking about it, I, I felt that this, this earned a 4.5. I thought there were, there were enough powerful scenes in this one and enough... Uh, enough acting wise and plot wise and story wise and theme wise that that this earned a 4.5. No, I agree. I gave it a 4.5 and it was very close to a 5, very very close to a 5. The thing that kept it from being a 5 though for me was two things. One, I know what the fives are and this has never right. really been one of them. This is like just right. below, but this is probably as close to a 5 without being a 5 as we've had. Yeah. And the other thing was, while this, if I'm just rating Centauri business, this is a five. But the other part of the episode, remember I said there's like the Centauri part of the war and then there's the, the other part, right? The yeah. other part is still set up. We didn't have anything like a resolution or any kind of closure. So... I give a four to the human side, a five to the Centauri side, and it averages out of four point five. I'm I'm with you there. I, I was leaning more towards four than than five, but uh, for the same reasoning. Yeah, there we go. All right, we're going to have some patron comments, and we'll go into spoiler space for just a second here. But first, I want to thank our patrons. And dang it, I don't have that. <laughs> I have the patron. I have the patron comments up. But let me... Oh, here we go. I can open two browsers at the same time. What a, what a revelation. I have to, we have to thank, because remember, th- our show, 
uh, to keep our program on the air, to pay the bills here in the White Rocket Studios, to keep our show going, we rely on you. We don't have commercials. We're one of the few podcasts that seem like these days that don't run a bunch of commercials every few seconds to interrupt your show and you have to fast forward or whatever. We don't have that. And I don't ever intend to have commercials on our shows. I don't like hearing them on other shows. And I, we can get around it because we have great supporters through Patreon.com. Go to www.b5review.com or you can just go to Patreon and search for White Rocket Reviews. Um, and these are the folks who are currently keeping the lights on here in the Army of Light studio. Uh, we have to thank Christopher Anastasia, Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, mister. Uh, Emma Jane Alexander, Leah G, Rich Hammett, Debbie Zombie Half Pint Had to Die Norris. There's a story there I'm going to get to in just a second. But I love I love Debbie's name. It's awesome. I'll tell the story in just a second. Dragon Con Delin, Emmanuel Seaman, Jalja, Lady Sif, Mond06, Michael O'Connor, Steve Palmer, Andy Seekley rates War Without End of Five. There's a story there, too. Go back and listen to our War Without End episodes. <laughs> Stu Parker, The Geek Boy. Um, oh, this one requires a sound effect. Uh, play Project Plus. I love it when I get audio directions. Heather and Yancey Steingraber. Ice Cream Clone with a Boba Fett head. And Michael Halbrook. All right, you, all, you folks are awesome, and we appreciate you so much. Um, here are some of the patron comments. First, I got to address the Debbie zombie half pint had to die Norris point. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm not make sure which order I do these in because sometimes they look backwards on the screen. Okay, so uh, she says, uh, uh, referring back to Zaha Doom, she says, okay, he can't be dead, meaning Sheridan, right? Kosh told him to jump, and he did. Good thing I can go straight into season four. Amen to that. Man, <laughs> remember, some of us had to wait months, Debbie. Right. <laughs> um, and she says, oh, and I knew Anna was going to be bad, but wow. <laughs> Hard to root for Laura Ingalls to die, but glad it <laughs> happened. Amen. The episode definitely lived up to your hype. Oh, that's good to know. And that's then. Awesome. And then here in her next message, she kind of explains a little bit more. She says, hi, guys. So I'm still catching up on episodes. Today is a momentous day. I'm about to watch Zaha Doom. Okay, I did have them in the wrong order. Sorry. I'm about to watch Zaha Doom for the very first time. You guys have talked about this episode so much. I'm so excited to finally watch it. And it, So she says it did live up to our hype. Thank goodness. An interesting side note is that my other big fandom is Little House on the Prairie. So Babylon 5 and Little House on the Prairie, that's an interesting combination. I will note my yeah. daughter. My daughter is a huge Little House <clears throat> on the Prairie fan to oh, the point that – my wife too. Oh, yeah? We actually drove to um, wherever it is, I guess in Missouri or something, where the house is, where they, they lived their later years, and we went inside there and toured around the house. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And, and Mira had the dress. She had the Laura Ingalls dress, and she wore it there and, and had her hair in pigtails. Wow. And, had the Laura Ingalls yeah, it, dress on. It's amazing to know that Laura Ingalls lived into the 20th century when you Isn't know, that there crazy? was radio and TV and, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. she's read the book. She's watched the show. Premier <clears throat> has, and she uh, went to the went to the house. The little it wasn't the little house on the prairie. I think that's in Minnesota. Right. But, or but Wisconsin. She, yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Around. Wherever it is up there. But but she's been to the house. That I think they ended up living in toward the end of their lives. <clears throat> There's like a yeah, whole little compound. Yeah. That's cool. 
Um, and get this, she says, yes, we even have a dragon con of our own, Laura Palooza. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so I'm gonna, awesome. I'm going to have to turn my wife onto that. We may be road tripping. <laughs> Go to Laura Palooza. I don't know where it is. You have to tell us or have to look it up. She says, seeing my old, my old favorite TV show come together with my new favorite TV show is going to be something. And indeed it was. And she said <laughs> she had to die, but it worked out. So, all right. Um, let me go. We got a few other patron comments. Uh, let's see. Allison, good old Allison Rich says, great episode, guys. A few comments. Um, I don't think we've done this one before. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Londo knows he needs to stay alive to save his people. He has to play a part in Cartagena's madness to do it. If when you watch I, Claudius, you will see that Claudius has to do this too. All the while, they both plot the emperor's demise behind his back. That's interesting. I do need to watch that now. She says, if you notice, the true form of a Vorlon has the lower portion of a squid, but has the head of a cat. Makes sense as to why they can be so petulant and inattentive. Having had cats all my life, this makes total sense. She says, "All right, well, I'm, I'll take you. I'll take you. Is that is that accurate, Andy? You have cats. In fact, you have a, had a cat on the screen just a moment ago. Yeah, I I, I can't say that that I, I mean cats are cats are cats, but uh, I, all my cats have been very loving. This one right here is just purring away right now, sitting on my lap. So. Um, Until it looks I, you with those yeah. evil red eyes and tries right. to blow you up. <laughs> right, or, or tries to turn off my computer in mid-stream. Oh, this so, has happened, yeah. yep, this has happened. <laughs> All right, well, I am I have nothing against cats other than I'm just deathly allergic to them, so my, my pets in my house are stuffed animals, but anyway. <laughs> um, in fact, one of them even has his own Twitter account, um, <laughs> Boris AU Tiger. Uh, and then finally, she says, Sheridan can't even look at Garibaldi or Zach when he's sending them to face Ulkesh Kosh. They both, they both know it's foolish. I understand that in war you have unavoidable collateral damage, but Sheridan is being completely ruthless here because he still doesn't trust that Garibaldi hasn't been affected by the shadows. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Geek Boy says, hey guys, Geek Boy is back. Uh, was away for various reasons. I won't go into... I absolutely love your analogy during our Hour of the Wolf that Lanier would be the one holding all the bags during the lady shopping trip. <laughs> Can I use that on my own Babylon 5 podcast? Of course. I give proper credit. Anyway, good to be back listening to you guys. Thank you, Geek Voice, so much. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Leah G says, I love how many connotations the title of this episode has falling toward apotheosis. You mentioned Cartagena. Uh, There's also Sheridan, who fell at Zahadum and is by some being viewed as godlike upon his return. Jakar yep. has, in a way, fallen. And then, of course, we know there'll be stuff coming with him. She says, spoiler space, so I'll leave that. I'll just leave that as vague, but she's right. Uh, Londo, too, has fallen and is trying in some ways to redeem himself. Yeah, and, of course, we remember that the, uh, the Cirrus gave him some, uh, some yep. advice on that. And if not a god, then a godlike figure. Such a perfect title. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we got a, we got several good patron comments. Uh, Debbie, uh, again, zombie half pint had to die in Zoris. Um, 
And this may be, let's see, she says, oh, I know I'm late to the party. I'm finally watching Babylon 5 for the first time. After I've really read her comments basically backwards, and I apologize. I just, it's, it's hard to tell on Patreon what order to read things in. I'm watching it for the first time after so many years of people telling me I needed to, and I can't believe I've missed this fantastic show for so long. Amen. I've got to say that seeing a star from my previous favorite show on my new favorite show was great. Do you all know that there's, yeah, Laura, please. Okay, so she sent one as a message and one as a post. There we go. Mond06 says, I finally got around to this episode. Good stuff. I can always tell a good episode when I want to jump into your conversation and contribute. Yeah, I know. I've been there with plenty of podcasts. That's why I do podcasts, is I used to listen to uh, like Michael Bailey's and Deanna uh, and and, um, the uh, the Earth Station One and, uh, and, and the various other ones, some friends of mine. And uh, I always wanted to jump in. I had so many things I wanted to say. So I said, I got to have my own shows. So you, you know what we ought to do for our patrons? We should do uh, a, a, um, a live stream where we get all of them onto like a show. Oh, Just have a special, a special, a, a very special episode of the Babylon Five Review <laughs> Podcast, <laughs> where we get all the patrons who who want to join us, and we just have a big fun conversation with everybody. I think that yeah. would be fun. I'm down. I'm down for that. Um, let's see. Mon continues. To that end, a thought came to me. You were discussing how Sheridan was viewed as a Christ-like figure after Zahadum. Sinclair is the one who was. Sheridan is the one who is. Delin is the one who will be. I'm thinking there's another way around with those two. If Sheridan is an allegory for Christ having returned from death, who does that make Sinclair? Clearly he is a prophet in the role of Valen. I was trying to match him, and I'm torn between Moses and Abraham. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. More interestingly, if Delin is the one who will be, who is she an allegory for? Am I, I was thinking that Delin is the one who is, and Sheridan is the one who will be. I, I'm now not, I'm, I have to go back and check I, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. All right, well, because Delenn is the Ranger One right now, right? She got it over uh, what's his name when Marcus had the fist fight, had the fight with the dude with uh, right. Our favorite evil Minbari, I can't think of his name. Right. You know what I'm He's talking about? He's not evil. He's misunderstood. He is. His heart is in the wrong place. Briefly, but that's a whole spoiler. All right. Um, all right. So we're so Mondo Six. I love your questions and your ideas here. We're going to put this one on the shelf and do some research and come back to it because it raises some interesting points, but I'm not entirely sure about that. And then finally, the Geek Boy says, I'm listening to the summoning, and as far as Andy's question about the random Star Fury pilot's voice, I believe that is actually the voice of Harlan Ellison. Don't hold me to it, but I thought I remembered reading somewhere that he did a lot of the off-screen voices on the show. That's cool. Yeah. I know he did a computer voice. Right. If if it were Harlan Ellison, you'd figure that it might be a little bit more surly. Than yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> He's so great. Harlan was so great. I've got the Harlan Ellison uh, biography around here somewhere. I read a big chunk of it. Um, it came out yeah. a couple of years ago. It's a good book. A fa- fascinating individual. One of my one of my friends oh, yeah. was was a good friend of Harlan, and uh, some of the stories he tells of him are just amazing. Just a really cool person. Andy surly um, is all get out, but cool. Oh yeah, I'm gonna borrow a. a phrase from Londo I was there at the <laughs> end of the Harlan Ellison um, era at Dragon Con because I was there Harlan used to come every year I fam- yeah. I've, I've, I've mentioned before I went to the one where he and Peter David were supposed to do a panel about television show writing but there was a piano in the room and they had spent the entire panel singing and playing show tunes <laughs> 
And uh, the person behind me said, well, that was disappointing. I wanted to hear about TV show writing. And I said, you got to hear and see something so much more unique than that. Yeah. You got to Absolutely. see something that was completely spontaneous. That was amazing. And, um, That's so but, cool. but then the next year after that, the war people were next to next to Harlan's table, and he kept asking them to turn their noise down, and they wouldn't. And he got mad and had a th- yelling fit at the Dragon Con people, and he's never come back. He never came back. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. But and I, th- I can, yeah, knowing having been to a Gore concert, I can appreciate where Harlan was coming. Yeah, from. yeah. I was, I was there. I was watching him yelling at the Gore people. Wow. I don't know if I saw the. Dragon Con people, but I saw him yelling at the Gore people. And then, awesome. of course, just before he passed away, um, he had had the stroke and was not in the greatest shape. And I did a panel with him at Archon in St. Louis, and I was sitting right next to him, and I had a couple of my books in front of me. And before the panel started, Harlan leaned over and picked up my books and starts looking at them. And I was just like, <clears throat> <laughs> and I have a picture. I should post it on the Patreon page. I have a picture of me sitting there with this look on my face while Harlan is <laughs> Harlan is fondling one of my books. And it's, I mean, it's like God Almighty came down and was looking at my books, and I'm just going, right. oh, you know, I have that picture somewhere. I'll, I'll share and it. And Harlan anyway. being Harlan, he probably completely trashed it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he just kind of no, looked not, at it. And, not, right, nothing bad about your writing. I'm just saying, no, Harlan, that's just what Harlan. I know. Do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not not a bad guess. But uh, I, then I asked, I said, uh, I said, Harlan, I'm going to record this for my podcast. Is that okay? And he goes, just make to sure that you say it is all content copyright Kilimanjaro Incorporated. That was the name of his, you know, company. Right. And I'm like, you got it, sir. Whatever you want. So, uh, and then final thing was Geek Boy says I love the alignment discussion, a la D and D, talking about the shadows and the Vorlons. We had one on our B5 podcast similar to that when we did our Ship of Tears about Bester. Awesome stuff. All right, well, I'd forgotten we did that, but that's good. And uh, yeah. Geek Boy, um, tell us your name of your show because I don't remember if you've told us before. I definitely, we, you know, the Babylon Five podcast family, the Bob, Babylon Five family overall, or. We all love each other, and we want to share the wealth. We're not trying to, you know, hog each other's business or anything. So we'll be happy to tell right. people about your show, and you tell people about ours. That'd be awesome. And, and I, I have listened to all of, well, as many of the Babylon Five podcasts as I can find. So I, I, I know I've listened to his. I just can't say exactly which one it is right now. Well, so right, yeah, if, right. If he, if he could uh, let us know, we will happily promote it. Yeah, there's several that I interchange with on uh, exchange with on Twitter quite often. Right, there's like right. there's like a for the first time one, and there's like a yum yum show, and there's several yep. on there, and those guys are all great, and girls are all great. So yeah, um, all right. Uh, before we get into, I don't really have any spoiler stuff for this episode. Do you? I don't. No, I don't. There wasn't a lot of. I mean, it's all just kind of building up to next episode is where everything hits the fan, pretty much. Right. Which right. Is kind of a spoiler in itself. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Say that. All right. Well, we'll skip this. I don't this. think that's. I don't think that's really a spoiler because I mean, just the last scene it's of this episode. Pretty obvious. You know that 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 stuff yeah. is going to be sprayed all over the place by the fans. So, all yeah. right. Well, we've we've gotten to pretty much our normal runtime anyway of about an hour and twenty five 
hour and 30 minutes. So let's just skip the spoiler section and simply because we don't really have anything to say for this episode. I think we've covered everything pretty well. So yeah. I, I will just say our next installment, our next episode in two weeks, we will cover 406 Into the Fire. And I have so much to say just about the title of that episode, Into the Fire. Right. Oh, I can't wait. Um, everything from Sierra video games to uh, a season two quote to the end of this episode. There's a lot that goes into that title. And, and, and I, I'm just going to put out there right now that my most Babylon 5 scene for next episode will be the entire episode. <laughs> you can't. I can't. I can't fault you there. No, I, 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 I can't fault you there. Um, all right. So our next episode will be into the fire. I'm going to play us out. <laughs> Do you recognize this tune, Andy? I don't hear a tune. You don't hear the audio. I don't. Ah, well, the the listeners can hear it. I'll fill you in. I'm playing into I'm playing into the fire by Dokken. Okay, I would not have recognized that. I I don't think I've ever listened to a complete Dokken song in my life. Oh, uh, Dokken's so good. Let me turn it down his head. The flames draw near. Yeah, here we go. Into the fire, I'm falling down, down, into the fire. All right, so that's going to do it. Fire! (laughs) All right, I'll cut it off there. I just had to play that for you guys. Quality entertainment right here, folks. It is quality. Anywhere else. (laughs) It's good stuff. You don't get this anywhere else. I'm I'm pretty sure we're probably going to be the only Babylon 5 podcast that plays the Dawkins song for Into the Fire. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and guess that now. You're going to get an email from Dawkins asking for royalties now. Oh, no. You're going to get a copyright hit on this episode if it was on YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) But fortunately, it's not on YouTube. It's only on podcasts. Um, All right. Any final thoughts about this episode before we uh, break and get ready for Into the Fire? No, sir. I'm I'm just taking a deep breath. Normally, I, I I watch ahead, but I have not watched ahead on this one yet because uh, I, I want to take a deep breath and and coalesce my Good. thoughts before going into this one because this is arguably the biggest episode of the whole series coming up. So it is. It is so big. It's so big. Yeah, and and it's going to be interesting too because it was a controversial episode at the time, and there's yes. going to be a lot to talk about because you know we've always said. People tend to like the build-up to something better than the the, the climax itself because right. the, the build-up, you can imagine whatever you want. But when you actually see the climax, you get just one, and that may not be the one you imagined or the one you wanted. So right. climaxes are usually more divisive than build-ups, right? Right. Yep. And that's, Absolutely. that was certainly the case here. And I think we have discussed making this a two-part episode where the first, our first podcast will be discussing the episode itself and with all our categories, and then the next episode would be like reactions from you and I and, and additional stuff and reactions from the, the Patreons. Yes. Yeah, kind of another one of our notes and, and discussion and, and right. stuff from the patrons. So patrons, send in your thoughts about 
into the fire, 406 into the fire. If you've already watched it or if you're going to watch it before we record our next episode, go ahead and post those on, um, in fact, I'll make a page. I'll make a thing on, on Patreon for it right now. Cool. And um, that way we'll have some more stuff that we can, because they did a really good job with the last couple. We had a lot of good comments there. Right. So, that, so we'll have a nice pile of stuff to dig through along with our own reactions. That'll be fun. So, it will be a lot of fun, and uh, they always bring in some, some really insightful stuff. So it'll be neat to get their insights. Oh, absolutely! The more the merrier. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the White Rocket Babylon Five Review Podcast. Please spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell people you know that like Babylon Five. Um, the show is still doing fine, and we have lots of good patrons and lots of good listeners, but I would like it to be bigger. I feel like some of the other shows are bigger than ours. The people that listen to our show really seem to like our show. We just need to get the word out further. We need more people to know about our show, so uh, let's spread the word. I agree. All right. We'll get out of here for this episode. We will see you next time when we all head to Coriana 6 and go into the fire. Talk to you then, Andy. All right. Take care, sir. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.